If you are a Christian coach, speaker, or influencer, this is the right place. You're listening to the Keep Writing Podcast, a resource for biblical encouragement, spirit-led wisdom, and practical ideas as you answer God's calling to increase your authority by becoming an author. I'm Nika Maples, and I can help you write your next book so that you can take your business to the next level while advancing the kingdom and transforming people in Jesus' name. We assessed your relationship. We said, what do you currently think about failure? But you can develop your relationship with failure because it's just a relationship. Like with anything else, you can think whatever you want about failure. And you can also change that thought this fast. Boom. That's how fast you change a thought. And you might come at me and say, oh, but Nika, I've believed my whole life because of something my mom said to me when I was four. I've believed my whole life that failure and that we have to be perfect. And and I'm like, you know what? Yeah, you may have believed that your whole life, but today you can choose not to believe it. Today. That's how fast you can change your beliefs. Because up until now, you thought those thoughts, your relationship with failure. So I'm telling you now that the way you're currently thinking about failure is not as trustworthy as you thought. Let me give you an example of, of how fast you can change your relationship. I have a friend who had a long time marriage. She still does. Good news. This ended well. But she had a long time marriage not knowing that her husband was being unfaithful to her. And she also did not know that he was on drugs. So she had one way of thinking of him for decades. She had one way of interacting with him. She had this relationship with her husband that she saw as very trustworthy. She believed one thing. Then she got one text. It was a text that said, hey, this is what I know about your husband that you don't know and explained the relationship he had had and the situation with the use of drugs. Can I tell you that her belief changed in an instant? Can I tell you that all the years of seeing him one way changed in one second? And from then on, she was like, wait a second, I've got to have a new relationship with him. And that's where the Lord did miraculous healing and they are still happily married today. I'm delighted to say, but I use it as an example to say, hey, you know what? Your your belief changes like that. If you go to a medical appointment, and some of you have had this experience where, you know, you thought one way about your life and then you hear a medical diagnosis that completely shifts your priorities and you don't need time to swallow the shift. It's like, no, everything changed just right now. Like just right now, everything suddenly changes. That's how fast our beliefs can change. So don't let the devil tell you, well, since you believed this since you were four, because your mom made you be perfect and wear pantyhose to church, you can't think any other way. I mean, you can be any way you want to be. You can change it in an instant. So I would offer you this, develop, start developing a new relationship with failure. The things you believed about it, you believed it was a stumbling block. You believed you did something wrong. You believed those are actually untrustworthy things to think about failure. It's actually better to think failure is the feedback I need in order to finish. So failure for anyone who has thought like, oh, it's the end. I failed. It was never supposed to be the end. Your failure didn't mean, oh, door closed. It was never supposed to be the end. It was always supposed to be the feedback you need in order to finish. It was the signpost that was supposed to tell you to keep going. But it's okay. Let yourself off the hook. If you've believed it meant something different, God has you here for a reason. 
He brought you here so that you would change your relationship with failure so that you can, like I did in the beginning story, laugh a little bit and say, hey, you know, I tried. I tried to make a hundred costumes. Bless my own heart. Wish I had asked for help, but I didn't. Wish I'd said no, but I didn't. Hey, guess what? Next time somebody says, will you make a hundred of these? I'm going to say no. Or I'm going to say, yes, but only if you provide help for me. We craft the new way of moving forward so that we can finish and we let the failure be feedback. So I like this picture of a target. Our comfort zone is in the middle where there really is no chance of failure. There's just no chance of failure. I always tell people that I'm coaching, you know where the furniture is. You know where the furniture is. Like you could walk in the dark through this circumstance in your life and you're not going to stub your toe because nobody's moved anything in ages. You are very comfortable. Let's see. I don't know what circumstance it is for you, but let's just say like normally you have your family over for Thanksgiving. Maybe someone in your family says, hey, can we invite this many extra people? We have this going on. We want to bring these people. And you're like, well, that's new. I don't know if I can have extra people come. I don't know if I can make it. I don't know. You know, somebody changes the circumstance. Our first inclination is to know, let's, let's keep it comfortable. Let's keep it back where it was, where I know where all the furniture is. I know who says what. I know what we do. It's fine. If God says, I want you to work on the PTA at your school again, you're like, it's fine. I could do that. I could totally volunteer with the PTA. He's like, no, this year I want you to be the president. Whoa. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, 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 I I don't know about that. I'm good volunteering. I'm good hosting people at my house. Whatever your thing is, what is your thing that God is saying? Hey, you know this that you're very comfortable with? Let's take it up a notch. You're like, well, just a second there, Lord. I was doing well. I don't know if I can face the potential failure that comes in the discomfort zone where there is some chance of failure and you sense it. We're very, very hesitant to move forward into the discomfort zone. And there is another zone. It's the danger zone where you can tell there's a guarantee of failure there. Here's an example for me. Um, I like to tell that from the time I was in seventh grade, I sensed the Lord saying that I was going to say, I enjoyed speaking and presenting. I don't know what he was going to do with my life, but it's like, I love giving presentations. I volunteered in seventh grade to go do the announcements every morning and give a thought for the day to the other seventh graders. Well, I got made fun of a lot. Nika's thought for the day. I would go into the school office and they'd give me the mic and I'd announce my thought for the day to everybody and they made hardcore fun of me. But I was like fine with it because I wanted to do it. I couldn't, like I just was meant for it. Now that I have a podcast, I'm like, God was training a little seventh grader to have a podcast. That's all he was doing. So I was fine with people telling me I was a failure. But then there was the next level. Doing the announcements was my comfort zone. The next level was giving a presentation in front of a little crowd. And I failed a few times at that. I failed a few times in high school. Embarrassed myself, forgot the words, didn't get the applause or didn't get the the competition and enough times of failing at the next level where it's the discomfort zone. And I said, that's it. I can't do it again. I'm never speaking in front of anyone again. 
Well, years later, my first job after college really was being like a, a counselor's assistant at a middle school. So it was a middle school. They had some office workers. I was this counselor's assistant. And all I did for her was shred paper. So I'm like shredding paper a day after day in this public school. And the principal said, I see something in you. I see something in you. I want you to give a, a speech, like give a speech Get all the kids together in the whole school and we'll give a speech. I was like, no, I, ca I can't do it. I can't do it. Don't get all the kids together in the whole school. I can't give a presentation. And I mean, I'm like 29 years old. I'm like, no, it was some chance of failure. And I didn't want to leave my, my comfort zone from shredding paper. He was like, all right, we'll do it class by class. Instead of the whole auditorium of kids, we'll do it class by class. We'll have kids be brought into the library. You give them a presentation. Then the next class will come in and you give, but I see something in you. I think you can just like give a whole, uh, encouraging presentation to our middle school kids. And do you know, I was so afraid. It still felt so close to failure for me that I could barely do it. And I invited Becky, who wasn't even working at that school or anything at the time. And I said, could you kind of kind of like co-give a presentation? Can we co-teach? You give a co-presentation? And she was like, sure. So she came in and the only way I felt any confidence whatsoever was to have her stand beside me. And we did it. We co-taught it. It felt like the discomfort zone. I felt like I wanted to scream the whole time, but I survived the week. We did it for a few times after I survived. Well, then the principal asked me to do a bigger presentation. He was like, you did it. Do another one. It started that God was giving me more and more chances. To Some of those chances I failed, but I just kept going. And here's what happens. If he had given me a chance to speak before the whole entire school, that would have been the danger zone. I said, no, no, no. Can you break it down? Just make it a little smaller. And he said, okay, I'll do it class by class. That was still the discomfort zone for me. There was some chance of failure but there was also some chance of success. And I was willing to step outside my comfort zone and stand in front of middle schoolers and teach them something encouraging. But because I was willing to do that, now that's a walk in the park for me. Now, standing in front of middle schoolers and giving them an encouraging presentation is my comfort zone. Do you see that? And I'm not talking about class by class. I'm talking about a whole auditorium. If you said, Nika, come give a presentation to a whole auditorium of middle schoolers, I'd say, today? You want me to come today? I can do it. Because what used to be the danger zone is now my comfort zone. But you have to be willing to let God lead you to it. Go bit by bit. So he's calling a lot of you to do something bold. He's calling a lot of you to do something bold right now. And it feels like the danger's out. It feels like there's a guarantee of failure. Look, start asking yourself, is there a way, to, a way for me to make it a little more, a little smaller and a little manageable? Because if it's a little smaller and a little manageable, then it'll feel like discomfort instead of like danger. And once I mastered that, I'll be able to move forward even more so that even the danger zone becomes my comfort zone. Because here, God's desire is that your comfort zone become bigger. If you never go into the discomfort zone, though, your comfort zone becomes smaller. The more willing you are to go to the outer areas with Jesus, the more those areas that used to scare you become your comfort zone. The more you don't go to those areas, the bigger and bigger and bigger they seem in your mind, which shrinks your comfort zone. Is this making sense to somebody? We have to be willing 
to follow Jesus into the places where we need him. You are unwilling to follow Jesus into the places where you need him. You like staying where you don't need him that much. So I would say, go, be bold. And if it feels like the danger zone, it's okay to say, let me see how I can make it a little smaller and just be willing to be in discomfort so that God can make it more and more comfortable for me. He is not wanting you to have misery for the rest of your life. He's trying to make your places of misery your places of mastery. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to make your places of misery become your places of mastery. But you got to follow him into the places that you need him. So that means failure, failure, failure is exactly where you're supposed to go. The discomfort of saying, oh, I'm trying this new thing. And so far, it's just the same as always. And I'm failing. And God's like, I'm trying to show you. I'm trying to show you how to need me here in the failure. So that this becomes a place of your mastery. So that this becomes a place where you are comfortable moving more. Where you are comfortable reducing the sugar addiction in your life. Where you are comfortable being bold and making changes. And it doesn't feel great, but it will feel great. The doing of it will become your comfort zone. I'm going to read this passage and I'll tell you this. I've noticed more and more in our churches. I have noticed more and more in our churches that pastors are apologizing for reading the word. I'm sorry, this is going to be a little bit of a long one. I'm like, make no apology. The power is in the word. I make no apology. I'm closing this out today with an extended reading, and I will not summarize it or shorten it because I just read in Hebrews yesterday. It says, Jesus, in Hebrews 1, Jesus upholds the world through the word of his power. He upholds the world through the word of his power. So it stands to reason that the enemy's like, mm, but it's uncomfortable to read the Bible for long periods in church. It's uncomfortable. God's like, I'm trying to make that discomfort zone your place of mastery. So you're so comfortable with reading the word. You'll read it a lot in church and you'll read a lot in your home. And you're no longer in discomfort when you're reading it. You recognize the power of it. So Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Notice the places of comfort and the places of discomfort in this passage. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another, two bags, and to another, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once, at once, and put his money to work and gave five bags more. So also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold, and see, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come, and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, 
I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. I was afraid, and I went out, and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Part of me hesitated to read this. I wanted to cushion it, but discomfort with Jesus has a positive net effect. This is very, he said, lazy, so uncomfortable. I found myself saying, do I have to show this? Do I believe that Jesus upholds the universe through the word of his power? Do I believe that with Jesus, discomfort has a positive net effect? If I do, then I would never cushion you from the truth. I would never cushion myself from the truth. Let's be honest. Sometimes we're lazy. Call it what it is and then say, God, I'm just going to come and say it is what it is. A lot of times it's laziness. When I go to Chick-fil-A, that's all it is for me a lot of times. I don't want to spend the time making the, the food. I don't want to spend the time making my own coffee. I don't want to go to the trouble of getting up off the couch or doing whatever. It's laziness, Lord. But I'm coming to you and saying, I want your help. I'm afraid to fail. And so laziness is my cushion so I don't fail. I stay in the comfort zone where I know the furniture. And I won't stub my toe or get hurt in any way because I know exactly what happens here. I go out there where I try something new and I put in a little more energy and effort into my life. I'm afraid I won't have the results. Right here, that's what the servant said. He said, I was afraid, but God didn't say you were afraid. He said, I was afraid, but God said, that's not what I call it. Call it wicked, call it lazy. We don't have to feel bad for ourselves or feel burdened or guilt. We just have to feel refreshed because he's offering us something else. He says, if you're willing, if you're willing to do a little discomfort, just do a, do a little discomfort today. If you're willing to do a little discomfort, it will have a positive net effect for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. That's the positive net effect. You bring in what little you have. I, I'm serious. You only got a little bit of energy and just bring in that little bit and whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. You only got a little bit of want to, a little bit of effort in you. Just bring them a little bit. And whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. So just because you can't like do a full on 45 minute workout today doesn't mean that you can't say, I'm gonna walk to the mailbox back and forth three times. That's what I got. I got, I got in me three trips to the mailbox. I'm just gonna do it intentionally. That's the little that I'm bringing. And it looks to me like God will accept our little. What good news? He will accept our little. And whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. So let's not feel bad. Let's not feel bad for having a little or bringing him a little. We only need to take stock of the fact when we're burying what we do have and saying we don't have enough, so I'll bury it. When really we're like, no, I did have enough to do something. So I want to ask this, what must the five and 10 bag servants 
have felt about failure because they took a risk. They invested their five bags of gold. They invested their two bags of gold. They must have felt something different about failure. I think what is implied in this, this parable is the thing they felt different about their failure was something about their master. Because the guy who, who buried what he had, he said, I thought you were hard. You would want me to do this. I, he was afraid, not a failure. He was afraid of his father. I know you've sown where you haven't planted and you, he blamed it all on this relationship with the master. So the five and 10 bag guys, they must have just trusted, hey, I'll take a risk here. And even if I get nothing back, even if it doesn't multiply, I know my my master loves me. So I'm going to leave you with this. Your relationship with failure actually reflects your relationship with the father. When we don't move toward anything in the discomfort zone, when we won't risk some failure, it's because we believe our father won't catch us. He won't help us overcome it. Even though he said, you'll have trouble, take heart, I've overcome. So the next time you face the possibility of failure, or when you really do face failure itself, ask yourself, what is my relationship with failure right now? What is that revealing about my relationship with my father? Do I trust him even now? Are you subscribed to my YouTube channel yet? I love creating weekly lessons that will bring value and insight to you on your writing, publishing, and book marketing journey. When you listen to my podcast, you learn through your ears. But when you watch my YouTube channel, you learn through your eyes and your ears, making double the impact in half the time. See you over on YouTube.